The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler. Join alongside my co-host, Aaron Murray. Be sure to follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Drew Butler. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11 And head on over to puntandpass.com to stay up to date with everything going on in the world of college football and, of course, on the Punt and Pass podcast. It's got our YouTube page which continues to grow. We got great numbers on our YouTube page, so go check that out and subscribe to our channel. It's got everywhere the podcast is distributed. My blog, our picks, I went 4-1 this past weekend, no big Mm. deal. And, of course, everywhere our podcast is distributed, which I just said. Big weekend in college football. Hope everybody had a safe and happy Thanksgiving. A lot to touch on. Um, The football was okay. More so the headlines that came out of the weekend. So, Murray, let's dive right into it. I thought maybe the biggest headline and one that everybody's talking about is, of course, Sarah Fuller making her debut as Vanderbilt's kicker. That's right. She's the first female to ever play Power 5 football due to COVID issues. Vandy was thin at the specialist position. They got the goalie off the girls' soccer team that just won the SEC championship to suit up and play as the starting kicker. They played Missouri in Columbia, and uh, she did not get a field goal attempt. They did not score any points. I'm not even sure if they crossed the 50-yard line. They are awful. She did kick off to start the second half, making history. I mean, it is what it is. She made history. Great for her. A great story. After the game, Derek Mason, the head coach, got fired. Vandy, of course, is winless. So a lot to break down here. Let's just start with the history-making play of her kicking off in the second half. I'd love to hear your thoughts, and then I'll just kind of give you my general um, response as to what I saw going on. Well, I, I was a little scared, honestly. I mean, congratulations for her. It, it was history. Um, but what if something would have happened? What if the, if they decided to return the football yeah. and someone would have just completely depleted her, uh, which I don't know if anyone would have. I think guys would have tried to avoid her. But uh, who knows? I mean, maybe you just – we know how fast football is if someone would have hit her. And luckily it was a somewhat squib kick. It looked like she was – it looked like she was kicking a ball out of from the, from the goal. Like yeah. You know, it just like the stop wouldn't really follow through and the ball yeah. just kind of dribbled down the right side there. So 
Um, you know, if I was a guy out there, I'm like, okay, I'm going to avoid her at all costs. I'm not trying to hit a girl there on football, which is, uh, what they probably should do if, if it would as a return. But like I said, whatever, man, it, it, congratulations to her. And that's, you know, pretty much all I have to say on the matter. <laughs> There's a lot to break down here. Okay. And I feel like I can give a pretty good perspective as a former kicker, as a former punter playing in the SEC, playing in the NFL, and probably most importantly, as a father of two daughters. I mean, that's really the biggest thing here. I'm all for women empowerment. I am all for girl power coming to my house. There's pink everywhere. I will raise my two daughters to be able to believe they can achieve whatever they want in life, and I will support them head over heels. I'm also very happy for Sarah Fuller. It's great, okay? It's awesome. The kickoff to start the second half, okay, and the the social media onslaught that followed, congratulations, it's history. It was history. A woman played Power 5 college football. Was the kick plan to be like that? I guess so. They came out and said it was a mortar kick. Um, I don't know if it was a squib kick or not. Barely got off the ground. Probably traveled 25 yards. There was no return. Successful in that right. Um, The holder's hold, because it was windy, was god-awful. So I'll blame the holder for that. Terrible hold. And secondly, she kicked it. She ran right off the field. To your point, Aaron, who knows what could have happened. Look, if she put the ball in play um, and they returned, I highly doubt one of the front five guys on kickoff return was going to beeline towards her and try to take her head off, which has happened in the past. Obviously, rules have changed since then. Here's my thing, though, okay? Watching her warm up, the media is clearly paying very close attention to her. She's kicking the ball to warm up from the three-yard line. If you play football, you know that's not possible. You you can't kick a ball from the three-yard line because you need to be eight to seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. The closest you could kick a field goal is from literally the eight-and-a-half-yard line because the ball would be touching the goal line. Otherwise, I guess she was just warming up. That was great. Um, And she was actually kicking the ball pretty decently. I wish we could have gotten to see her try a field goal or an extra point in the game because that really, I think, would have been able to say, did she legitimately get this chance for being the best option for kicker that Vanderbilt had? That's where my whole thing comes into play. Yes, she, she she is a accomplished soccer player. There's no doubt. They won the SEC championship. That's great. After the game, for her to say in her post-game press conference, I was more nervous in the SEC championship game for soccer than I was playing in football today. That says one thing. You know, I don't know if she was saying that with raw emotion in, in the heat of the moment, but what she did kicking off in the second half would be like, and I and I've thought about this as pragmatically as possible. That would be like having a woman come into an NBA game and shoot a free throw at the end of the first half. That's what it would be like. Would it be awesome? Absolutely. You could then say a woman has played in the NBA. If she got to shoot two free throws uncontested at the end of the second half with virtually nothing on the line. Okay, and and I, I give her all the credit in the world. But my whole thing is this. Was it a publicity stunt? I don't think so. Could they have found somebody better suited if in the game they wanted to maybe kick it deep and play some football? Look, Vandy's so bad, it doesn't really matter. But I I believe they probably could. Um, I do give a big thumbs up to Derek Mason. In his his statement when he left, he said he had the pleasure of coaching 
tons of great student athletes and one courageous female. There is no doubt. It took a lot of courage for her to do that. Again, I hope she gets to play this weekend against Georgia. I hope she gets an opportunity to kick a field goal because I want to see her do more. Okay, That wasn't enough for me to sit there and go, she deserves everything. She deserves the reaction that she got. It's not like she was out there blasting the football. I didn't expect her to be. I think though, if would she, she would, would she would she have been the full time like if they actually moved the ball up and down? That's the field, what, was she planning on kicking all the field goals? That's your point. Yes, and that okay. was expected of the day. That, which is what I, I wanted. wanted to that see. would have been more. That would have been more exciting. Um, I totally agree. I think it would have been awesome. And, and I was laughing a little bit at the her warming up from the their three yard line kicking. But listen, she just was probably just trying to get the leg loose. Yeah. It's um, first time out there. I'm sure there were some jitters, but uh, yeah, I, I would love to see her actually kick an extra point. You know, I, I don't want her to go out there and attempt a 40 yard field goal. I think a nice fun extra point would be awesome. If, be if awesome. somehow they're able to put the ball in the end zone here at some point over the next couple of weeks, that would be awesome. And you know what? Again, going back to saying this as a father of two girls, I would say to my girls, I want you to make the 40 yarder. You know, if you want to be a kicker, let's go make 35-yard field goals. And I'm sure Sarah Fuller can, which is why I'm excited to hopefully see her get some more action this weekend against Georgia. Keep the publicity train going. Y'all got nothing to lose. I mean, it would just matter the most if you could get it past the 50-yard line and put her in field goal range. That was the biggest story of the weekend. I'm very happy for Sarah Fuller. Hey, maybe we'll get her on the podcast one day. What did you think about her and the news breaking after the game that she was pumping up the team at halftime? Did you read that, Aaron? I didn't. I, I missed that one. Supposedly, um, she stood up at halftime, was trying to get the team speed. riled up. Once again, compared it back to the SEC championship game that her women's soccer team just won, saying there was far more excitement on the sideline during the SEC championship game than they were showing during the match up against Missouri this past weekend. So she wanted to see more juice. She tried to bring the juice. Well, she's the only champion in that locker room. I mean, <laughs> good for right. her. Someone needs to step up and, and get that team going a little bit. And, and now without a head coach... Um, who knows, but it, it's just, it's tough times at Vanderbilt. They have played valiantly uh, at times this season. We're like, okay, you know, this team is at least trying to go out there and compete. I really, honestly, I like their quarterback a lot. I think he's a kid that could be pretty darn good here in the next couple of years. I think he's already pretty good this year, but, um, it, it's, you know, going to, to the Derek Mason firing, this program is going to struggle until they put money into the, the athletics, yeah. into the football athletics. Yep. It just is, man. They, they they have everything you want. They got the the downtown. They're in Nashville, oh, which yeah. is a tremendous city. They got the academics. They don't have the facilities to compete, man. You go there and you see the stadium. You and I have played in the stadium a ton. It's a dump. It's small. <laughs> yeah. It's depressing. It's sad. It's ugly. It's, it's tough for anyone to get up. I mean, that's why you see all these away teams struggling to play there, including Vanderbilt struggling to play there. There's just no atmosphere at all. It's like playing – and a small uh, high school football game almost type feel. It's just it's it, the energy's not there. The facilities aren't there until they are willing to invest money in that. I don't care who you put as a head coach at Vanderbilt. They are going to struggle and um, and struggle mightily. Shocking timing as well. I mean, before the season started, really, even through the first couple weeks of the season, I was thinking you would see very minimal coaching mm-hmm. firings due to athletic department budget cuts, especially at a place like Vanderbilt. Um, I wonder where they'll go. I wonder who they will target. You said money is going to be a big thing. And two, who wants to come coach in the SEC yeah. East? I mean, it is a tough, tough job. You got to go back to James Franklin and say big time hat tip to him. I mean, they had 
two bowl seasons, I think three winning seasons while he was there, a couple of big-time victories, and then, of course, he headed off to Penn State. But they're going to need somebody with some youth, with some vibrance, probably an offensive mind. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens. They, of course, travel to Georgia this upcoming weekend to take on the Bulldogs. But, you know, last thing about Sarah Fuller, I, I, I'm, I'm very proud of her. It is very cool to see. Uh, I just want more. I want to see more. I don't know if that's a bad thing for me to say, but, um, you know, sport immortality, being able to kick off to start a second half, I think that's a bit of a stretch. It's amazing that she is the first female to ever play Power 5 football. Um, hopefully she gets another crack at it this weekend. How about Trevor Lawrence essentially saying goodbye to Clemson after the game? I mean, no surprise there, Aaron, but uh, they blew out Pitt 51 to 17 or 52 to 17, I think. It was senior day. Lawrence, of course, is not a senior, but he gets a quick post game interview on the field there in Death Valley and essentially just says, Hey, man, Clemson's been great. Love this school. Uh, coaching staff's been amazing to me. It's changed me forever. I'll always remember my memories here. X, Y, and Z, he's gone. I mean, I wish he would have just gotten to go out for senior day. But yeah. um, interesting, I think, timing-wise, because you just never know. Week to week, just who knows who's going to play. Trevor Lawrence bidding adieu to Clemson on senior day. That's how I took it. Your thoughts there, surprised or not? No, not surprised. I don't think anyone's surprised. And, and listen, that kid has done so much. At Clemson, there's there's really nothing left for him to do there. Won the Natty, won at ACC championships, most likely going to win another ACC championship this year. I mean, we'll see what happens against Notre Dame uh, in that championship game. But, uh, he, yeah, he's done more than enough there. It's time for him to move on and be the number one pick in the draft. So I know there was, was talks about, okay, does he want to leave? Does he want to be the first pick in the draft by the Jets? You know, if, if, you're, if you're a competitor and you're a football player, honestly, and it, it really is true, you really don't care who has that first pick in the draft. You're just honored to be the first pick in the draft and go out there and see if you can make that franchise just a little bit better. So, uh, yeah, he's had a hell of a career. Hopefully finish it off strong here uh, last month of the season into the playoffs if they make it to the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, he, he tip his cap off to him. And, I, I, you know, I thought, um, who is it, Bryant, who was the quarterback two years at, at Clemson? Yeah. You know, I said, listen, keep Brian in, keep Brian in. He's the senior. He can run. He's played fine. You know, Trevor just continued to, to get him in a little bit here and there and, and and develop him and then, you know, give him the full reins the following season. I mean, he as soon as he took over, I think it was against A&M, um, and then kind of then afterwards, he's been nothing but absolute special there for the Tigers. So uh, awesome career there in that stadium. A lot of great memories, a lot of great games, and Excited to see what he can do the rest of the year. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he wants to go out on top. They'll have a great chance with that rematch against Notre Dame in the ACC Championship coming up in a couple of weeks. Notre Dame looks great, took care of business the day after Thanksgiving, beating North Carolina in Chapel Hill, continuing their undefeated season. That's going to be an awesome matchup. I really do think Conference Championship weekend is shaping up to be pretty damn awesome. So I, I, I think Notre Dame played their way into the playoffs this weekend. Yeah, I know I you said, said that last week. week. Yeah, I said it last week. I really think they did. And 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 I just don't think well, everyone's like, well, you know, what if Clemson goes out there in the ACC championship game and absolutely just demolishes Notre Dame? And you know, that, that could happen. But the more I watch this Notre Dame football team, I'll, this is a really good football team. It, it really yeah. is. They play, obviously, this entire season defensively, they've been tremendous. And and you know how big of a fan of Ian Book I am. He is he is exciting to watch. I don't know if you saw that that crazy pitch he had rolling to his left pitched it off like some guy his his hand hit a helmet ball is still completed like five yards on the field but he's just a playmaker he's just a baller he knows how to go out there and and just kind of freelance at times 
and, and, and make those extraordinary plays. So I just think this is a really good football team, an exciting football team. I think Clemson wins the game, but I think Notre Dame makes it a good enough game where they still are in the playoffs at the end of the day. Um, unless, unless Florida finds a way to beat Alabama, mm-hmm. then I would put Alabama in over Notre Dame. Um, as that four spot at the end of the day. So let's go there, or let's head towards there, because the second edition of the college football playoff is going to come out tomorrow night. I think Ohio State is in real trouble. They haven't played in three weeks now, two weeks, three weeks. They've only played four games. There's some really arbitrary rule that the Big Ten put out, and and I don't know if you have the specifics here, but teams have to play a specific number of games to be eligible for the Big Ten Championship, and right now, Ohio State isn't eligible, so if they're in real trouble, I think that might be shown in the college football playoff rankings tomorrow. Do you think Florida or A&M could jump into the top four and maybe Ohio State get bumped out a little bit? No, I don't think so. I think they've obviously undefeated team... um, they're not going to, I don't see they are one of the four it. best teams. Yeah, they are. And I don't see A&M moving in A&M was obviously defensively. They look pretty good this weekend versus LSU offensively was not a, a great performance by them. I don't think they did anything to really excite the committee to say, okay, look what they did against LSU. They deserve a spot in the top four. And then everyone kind of knows Florida, you know, you're in control of your own destiny. Now, if you win out, you're in, uh, there's no need to put you into the top four at the moment. Ohio state's undefeated. They're in a power five conference. Yeah. They're in a good conference. Um, I think you keep them in there at number four. I don't think they jump to number three. Uh, I think I think it stays the same. One Alabama, two Notre Dame, three Clemson, and then four Ohio State. I, I just don't see much change in here on out um, until, unless someone gets upset. They got to get back on the field. Um, and, and you're yeah. seeing teams not be able to do it like Florida State. Their game has already been canceled for this upcoming weekend. And Aaron, you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. You said one of the things you were most concerned about is teams having nothing to play for, like Florida State, and the players just not caring anymore about the COVID protocols that would allow them to see action week after week. Look, a team like Alabama or Notre Dame or Clemson, shit, they're going to do everything they can because they know that if they play, most likely they're going to get into the college football playoff and have a chance to compete for a championship. That's what everybody wants. If you don't have that, then I think you lose some of the accountability and responsibility from the players. And you mentioned that, and that might be what you're seeing at Florida State. It might not be. But Ohio State has got to get it together. And I'm not saying it's their fault. Clearly, it's hard to contain this virus and how it spreads. But they know that they have to get back on the field ASAP if they want to play in the Big Ten Championship Mm -hmm. and compete for a college football playoff. Bama. Blew out Auburn. I don't think many thought this would be a game. Bo Nix, really some head-scratching decisions. We talked about last week his play inside Jordanier and then on the road. It did not differ this past weekend. Bama won 42-13. to They covered that 24.5-point spread. Here's what I saw, Aaron, and tell me this. Clearly, Bama and Florida are going to play in the SEC championship. Florida, a bit of a slow start against Kentucky this weekend, but they took care of business as everybody expected. They beat Kentucky 34-10. to I think Bama's way better than Florida. And I'm kind of worried about Florida because they're getting a lot of love. Um, 
kind of worried about Florida in that SEC championship game. You and I talked to Damian Harris last week on Campus Store Live, and I just asked him, I said, hey, man, tell me this. Bama goes to the SEC championship seemingly every year. They got a ton of familiarity with Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They know what it takes to perform on that type of stage. Florida, not so much. And when I look at Mac Jones versus Kyle Trask, and this might be my bias speaking, I just think Mac is a better quarterback. He pushes the ball downfield better. He's able to make more plays. Trask, man, he is a, I think, system quarterback. Tell me I'm wrong. I think Bama's going to blow out Florida, and I think Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Kyle Trask. Well, let, I, I just want to talk about the Auburn game first um, before we jump into that, that Alabama-Florida. Listen, Bo Nix, I thought, played played fine. Um, you know, it wasn't his best game. I, I, don't, I honestly didn't think he played a terrible football game. They couldn't run the football. I mean, yeah, I just no broke down the game me. this morning once again, and, and they could not move the ball on the ground. And then right before halftime, you know, they had the drop touchdown pass on a beautiful little double go. He threw an absolute dime as he's getting smacked in the backfield. Yep. And Seth Williams dropped. I mean, that game could Wide have open. been at halftime 21 to 10 with a big, big play difference. heading in halftime. And who knows the momentum after halftime. I'm not saying Auburn would have come out and won the football game, but at least you get some good feeling heading into it. And then he threw the interception off, uh, you know, once that, that pass was dropped, the second interception was more the receiver fault. It was a screen, a little tunnel screen. The number three receiver was supposed to block for the number two guy. He didn't get the block. Number two guy got bumped away. It was just a complete cluster. And as a quarterback, you're trusting that, hey, these guys are going to block correctly. He's going to fight through the man coverage, and I got to throw it to him, and he's going to make a play and then get behind the offensive lineman and run that tunnel screen. Didn't fight through it. Terrible block by the number three guy, and it turned into an interception. So that second interception was – Know, a little bit on everyone, I think, not totally on Bo. Like I said, Bo didn't play an incredible game. I didn't think Bo played a terrible game. He just had no help around him, uh, and that really hurt. And then, you know, for Alabama, they're just too darn good. I'm with you, man. I think they, the way their defense is playing right now, uh, it's scary, scary good how good they've gone from week one, week two, to now eight games into the season. They're a completely different unit. And then Devontae Smith. It's unbelievable. But, Put that guy up for the height. What dude. he's able to do with the ball in his hands is is just absolutely stupid. That little fake block slant touchdown that he caught that he was able just to blow by the the, the safety just at the end of the it Jets on is just absolutely stupid. Um, and I agree with you. I do think Mac is is really special. Uh, I love his pocket movement, his awareness, his accuracy down the football field, his decision making. Everything is just. Uh, he, he's working himself into a possible first round pick next year. The way he's played this year, the type of offense that they're playing in right now fits identical to what you're seeing in the NFL right now. Uh, he's in complete command. So, you know, I said last week that this was Kyle Trask's Heisman to lose. I still think it is. Uh, but that, that gap to me is, is, is closed. And if Matt goes out there and, and they dominate Florida and he has a hell of a football game, I could see it flipping to him now all of a sudden uh, here late in the season. Yeah, you said it, I think, week two or three. You said Mac Jones versus Kyle Trask in the SEC Championship game will decide who wins the Heisman Trophy. Let's just think Let's think about Alabama's offense for one second. Okay, yes, they have Devontae Smith. Um, John Mechie's playing at a high level. Jalen Waddle. I mean, I can't believe Nick Saban's thinking he could come back at the end of the season. No chance that happens. But think about this. They threw the ball, or there was 18 receptions in this game for 302 yards and five touchdowns. Devontae Smith is breaking every receiving record at Alabama, every receiving record in the SEC. The way they have transformed their approach on offense, and I know we've talked about it a lot this season, really it's something to admire. They have evolved 
with the game of college football. They're not necessarily looking for a Justin Fields at quarterback or somebody who's extremely elusive and can extend plays. Mac Jones is delivering such catchable passes. He throws mm-hmm. it with great timing and accuracy, and Kyle Trask does too. I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. I just think Mac Jones right now is playing at an extremely high level, and shit, who wouldn't? with Devontae Smith. The guy is unbelievable. It seems like he's been at Alabama for 10 years. Um, And like I said, after the Georgia game, Georgia needs to give him an honorary degree because he owns Georgia football as well. Can't wait for that guy to be playing on Sundays because he's just going to continue to tear it up. All right, let's, uh, before we get to the Georgia game, okay, you do a lot of action. How about Buffalo's running back, Jarrett Patterson, 36 carries, 409 yards, eight touchdowns, which ties an NCAA all-time record. And at the end of the game, they took him out and had another rushing touchdown. He could have had nine touchdowns. I can't believe the coaches didn't keep him in to get the record. What the hell were they thinking? I know. Unselfish to some I mean, he's been having a hell of a year all year. I remember he had a Put game in the a Heisman talk. Ago where he had like, you know, they're not putting him in the Heisman Come talk, on, but- man. No, not not in the knack action, but it, yeah, he's been an absolute terror this entire season. And um, Buffalo has another court running back in the NFL, I believe. That's pretty darn good. So they um, they've been pumping him out a little bit there. It, it's cold weather, Mac action. I've, I've had a couple games. It's tough to throw the football. He scored so seventy you got a running points. back like that. Just keep feeding him the ball. Who's that? They said they scored seventy points. I mean, his season stats: Jarrett Patterson, one hundred and seven carries, nine hundred and twenty yards, and sixteen touchdowns. He had eight touchdowns this past weekend and four hundred nine yards. So half of his season production came in one game. All right, let's finish this thing up. Talk some Georgia football. Georgia went to South Carolina, played the Gamecocks at seven thirty p.m. on SEC Network. They handled this game mightily. They won 45-16. to 16. The storylines, obviously, Georgia's defense looked great. South Carolina playing with the skeleton crew, again, decimated with COVID issues and injuries, and the injuries continued to pile up during the game. Georgia had a much more balanced offense. JT Daniels looked good once again, and he posted an Instagram picture, Aaron, I believe yesterday, that said, more to come. Uh, Anthony Dasher over at UGASports.com and riding the Bulls, he kind of dug into it and said all signs are pointing, although they have not confirmed that JT Daniels will be back next year. I, I would agree that he probably will he be. be he better year. be back. Of course, this is the George fan base talking, saying he could go pro. I don't think he will. I think that kind of brings more questions into what could happen down the road. Will Brock Vandergriff stay committed? I don't know. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's touch on this specific performance. I think we have to take it with a grain of salt. South Carolina badly beaten up, had virtually nobody. Luke Doty, the quarterback, I mean, it was his first start. Not his first action, but his first start. Your initial thoughts? Uh, it, was, it was exactly what I want to see Georgia do, For run sure. the football, dominate the line of scrimmage. I mean, how many touchdowns did we see in that game where the running back didn't even get touched? Not, oh. like, not even a finger, just straight through the oh, line. Great. Safeties, linebackers in the wrong position, and then just an easy touchdown. And, you know, I feel bad for our boy Bobo. I mean, it, it really is a skeleton crew. It's a team that's very defeated in South Carolina. They knew they were overmatched, and uh, Georgia hit him in the mouth. That's what you have to do if you're that's Georgia. Good teams do. You got to dominate the games you're supposed to dominate. I would have loved to see them do that versus a team like Kentucky a few weeks ago. You got to do that. If you're going to be considered an elite team, you got to do it. That's what Alabama does every single week. They don't care who they're playing. They play Alabama football, whether it's against a top 10 team or it's against the worst team in college football. They come out there for blood. They come out there to dominate, and that's what they do. And then that's that, that, 
that dog type mentality inside of you that I'm going to go out there and play my best regardless of who the opponent is. So to me, that was a great performance. The offensive line was tremendous. Defense looked great. Uh, the guy that was the biggest, not I guess biggest surprise, but the most fun to watch during the game was actually Kevin Harris, the running back for South Carolina. That dude is an absolute freaking yeah, tank. Yeah, he's just he's a, a big tank. time player for sure. I mean, at least you can build around him. I mean, you got to f- figure out the quarterback position next year, whoever the you know head coach and OC is going to be. But at least you know you got a tank at running back that can get you some yards and is going to fight for no matter what. I mean, that's a kid that has been the offense the entire year, especially without you know their star receiver playing right now. Uh, a team that's what two wins and he continues to fight, 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 fight. So that was, uh, if you're a South Carolina fan, that's, that's good to see. You can at least build around him. That's what good teams do. They take care of business against lesser opponents. I don't care if it's a skeleton crew. I don't care if they're just having a down season. Good teams go out and dominate from start to finish. That's what Georgia did. I want to ask you about the offensive game plan. Clearly, the offensive line dominated. They were able to do whatever they wanted in the run game. But in the passing game, JT Daniels continues to look like a quarterback, which is great to see. Great command of the offense, great command pre-snap, getting guys in position, communicating, and then executing, which I think is the biggest thing. And to me, I sit there on Saturday night and I go, man, it's kind of shocking how good he looks. And really, it wasn't anything spectacular on Saturday. He did not need to be spectacular, but he throws catchable balls. The passes that are incomplete are not wildly off target. Uh, the interception that he had obviously was a, was an unbelievable interception by South Carolina, yeah. a little tip drill on the sideline. Um, so it's clearly not his fault, but he's delivering the ball downfield. He's sitting in the pocket. He's doing what you would expect a starting quarterback to do. Makes me think. If JT Daniels, and I thought this is a big if, if JT Daniels was healthy enough or if the coaches played him earlier, uh, let's just take it for hypotheticals sake if he played both the Alabama and the Florida game would Georgia have split that series would they have won one of those games if JT Daniels seeing what you've seen from two football games I know it's against Mississippi State and South Carolina do you think Georgia would have won one of those games remember they They were up at halftime against Alabama they were they were were up in the first quarter against Florida too yeah Um, I mean they were winning both those football games early on and I don't know because it's so hard to judge him based off the, the, the teams they've played this past two weeks. I mean, yeah. they, they, you said they've played Mississippi State and South Carolina, two teams with skeleton crews, two teams with two wins, uh, and two teams that have completely, I think, in my mind, have not got given up on the season, but they're not going out there with anything really to fight for at the moment. So they're just not really excited to go out there and play a team like Georgia. So he has benefited from that. Uh, I'll give him that, but he, he has looked really good. I've been really impressed for two weeks what he's looked like. So, I, I, I think it's I, I think it's a better chance. Yes, he give he would have given them a better chance to win one of those games versus Alabama or Florida. I'm not saying that he was the the, the key difference and that they would have won those games. But they both games would have been closer, and they would have had a chance in the fourth quarter to win them. So, yes, I think they could have split it possibly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I agree with you there. And, again, it is. It's really tough to sit here and say JT Daniels is the man based off who he's played. I'm not faulting him for that. You play who the other team puts out in front of you. Here's my other question. Has Georgia beaten a half-decent team all season long? I mean, Auburn in Week 2, I think that was a good win. Auburn was ranked 7th at the time. Tennessee, of course, was 14. Arkansas is not a bad football team. They're not an elite team, but they're not a bad football team. So, yeah, they they have it. Yeah, I mean, they have it. (laughs) And and that's not their fault. They they have no one left on their schedule either. That's, That's elite. 
I mean, Vandy, Vandy and Mizzou, no, if the game Missouri. happens? Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and again, I'm not saying it's Georgia's fault. I mean, this is who they play against. And it just makes you scratch your head and go, man, what could have been? Like, win one of those games, preferably the Florida game, you're in the SEC championship. And then who the hell knows? Because JT Daniels continues to look good and get yeah. better week after week. Let's look towards next season. Georgia fans love to look towards next season. I do. Do you think, though, if they, well. if, you think if Georgia would have won one of those games, though, that JT Daniels would have been given the opportunity to start? Well, I mean, that my, my initial question is clearly it, JT Daniels had to have been in the game. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because yeah. gotcha. I think the reason he also looks so good is because he's following. Stetson and Dwan, and that's no fault to Stetson no, and Dwan. No, he looks good because he's he's performing well too. But yeah, it does help when you compare him to those guys. But he he's to me when you watch the fundamentals, when you watch the throws, he's been deadly accurate. You know, like you said, the interception this past weekend should have been a catch by Jackson there on the sideline. Um, great defensive play, but should have been a catch or incompletion. So he, he's done everything in my mind that you want to see from a quarterback, regardless of who the opponent is. So I'm as a, as a Georgia fan, as a guy who played there, I'm excited about the future. I don't think he's a guy that is ready to go to the NFL. You know, no. for those fans who are worried about, you know, is JT Daniels going to the NFL? He's a good through two games, pump the brakes, pump the brakes, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. There's one, there's too many good quarterbacks coming out this year. So I don't think he would want to even leave uh, in the first place. I think he only helps his draft stock going forward uh, by staying another year or two years in this offense that we know is is running backs. They got receivers that can continue to develop, um, and they're going to be fine at the offensive line position. So I expect this offense hopefully next year to take a pretty big jump in the right direction. Who do you give most credit for for the emergence of, I guess, the efficiency in the passing game? Is it clearly JT Daniels, or will you give, because I'm going to give some credit, I know you have as well, the wide receivers have definitely stepped up, the tight ends have definitely stepped up, but it all goes back to the guy who's dishing it out. So I know the wide receivers took a lot of heat earlier in the season, the inability to create separation, um, the inability to convert with some splash explosives. Um, but JT Daniels has clearly got those guys playing better. And again, I think that goes back to his command of the offense, his confidence, and his ability just to make the throws you're supposed to make. I love the emergence of Jermaine Burton. Seems like George Pickens has at least stepped up a little bit from a maturity standpoint and from a performance standpoint. Um, so it's good to see those guys. I like Trey McKitty getting that touchdown this weekend as well. Um, it's just good to see. Are you worried at all about Brock Vandergriff maybe thinking elsewhere? Uh, JT Daniels well, does I don't, I don't know where. I don't, know where else he would, I don't know where else he would go is the problem. I mean, you know, you, you, there's not a lot of great programs or elite programs in the country that doesn't that don't have a quarterback, one that's coming back next year, or two, have another four or five-star waiting in the wing to take over next season as well. So at the end of the day, you're going to have to go somewhere and compete for your job regardless. You know, there's still enough of separation between him and JT, where if JT comes back next year, which he most likely will, if he balls out, you redshirt, maybe you get in some games here or there, JT leaves, and you still got four years to go out there and do what you need to do for the University of Georgia if you're named the starter after that. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with you. I think that's what will happen, and that's up to Kirby to convince him that that this program is still on the up and up and that Brock Vandergriff can be the one that leads them to the promised land in the future. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, a lot of headlines. Again, the, the football on the field was great. I love Thanksgiving week. The NFL was decent yesterday as well. But we're getting down to it, man. I mean, tomorrow is December. The conference championship games are two weeks away. And before we know it, 
that college football playoffs going to be set, and we will be in the thick of bowl season. So we will definitely keep it plugged in here on Punt and Pass. Anything on the way out, my man? What you got this week? No, oh, you got a uh, big week. I got a big week this week, so I got to just get to, to watch a lot of film. I have Florida at Tennessee this weekend. Hey, now. Murray CBS, on CBS, baby. Got the double header. We'll be followed up by uh, Alabama and LSU at eight o'clock afterwards. So uh, excited! Get to uh, get to see Kyle Trask in, in real action and see if Tennessee can maybe make this a game. Doubt it, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, who knows? That was like my call early in the season um, before the schedule change up. I was like, watch out! I think this could be the year Tennessee beats Florida. Um, I don't know. I want to know how the Tennessee fans are going to embrace Aaron Murray after two years ago. You got so much shit for saying Jeremy Pruitt might not be the best choice for head coach. Look, you might be vindicated in some's eyes. Maybe they'll be asking Aaron Murray to be the head coach after you call a flawless game on CBS this weekend. Well, we're happy for you, my man. We do have some good football coming up this weekend. Texas A&M at Auburn. Like you just said, Florida, Tennessee, Indiana at Wisconsin. And of course, the nightcap is Alabama taking on LSU. LSU's top receiver just opted out. So again, who knows what to expect from the Bayou Bengals. But of course, we will all be tuned in. Be sure to follow us again on social media at Punt and Pass on Twitter, Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. Aaron's at Aaron Murray 11. Check out puntandpass.com, and we will talk to you on Thursday. See ya.